This is Crowcasts, the podcast from Crow in the UK, a leading audit, tax, advisory and risk firm with global reach and local expertise. In our podcasts, you will hear from our specialists offering insight and pragmatic advice to businesses of all sizes, professional practices, non-profit organisations, pension funds and private clients. Hello everyone, welcome to this latest podcast brought to you by Crow UK. This time it's all about the wonderful world of VAT. My name is Robert Marchant, I'm a VAT partner here at Crow and I'm joined by my colleague Gemma. Hello, um, my name is Gemma McAuldin-Gower and I'm from the VAT team in Manchester. So uh, a question before we go on, or a statement, sorry. Um, My favourite VAT case quote Beyond the everyday world, there lies the world of VAT, a kind of fiscal theme park in which factual and legal realities are suspended or reinvented. And that is going to be the theme of this podcast. So we're going to take you through um, some VAT rules, some VAT case law, all demonstrating that VAT is quirky. Um, The answer isn't always what you would expect it to be. Um, But coming back to a serious message of the fact that um, if you get the VAT treatment right, it can bring you significant savings, or if you get it wrong, you impacts your margins. Just so. a point there, um, that was brought in on April Fool's Day, wasn't it, in 1973? So that tells you really all you need to know is about UK VAT, doesn't it? It was also heralded to be the simple tax, which um, yeah. even Gemma and I are working in it. Well, I'll, I'll make comment for me only on that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think anyone who deals with VAT would call it anything other than simple, wouldn't they? <laughs> So the, the, the first thing we're, we're just going to cover off is around Jaffa cake. So we're, we're going to move on just to, to a little bit around some food cases. Yeah, definitely something everyone can get in, on board with. So Gemma, what, is a Jaffa yeah. cake a cake or a biscuit? Well, I think this is the area that everybody knows about in UK VAT, isn't it? It's one of the most famous VAT cases and it's the one everybody always talks about. Um, so any VAT talk that you've ever been to someone will have said is a is a jaffa cake a biscuit or a cake so when they were talking about that in the uh, the tribunal they discussed that it was the size and appearance of a biscuit that it's normally found in the biscuit aisle and it's normally eaten with its thing with your fingers so then that would lead you to the conclusion that it is a biscuit and not a cake but they said on the flip side they're called jaffa cakes not jaffa biscuits and um the killer in this um, legislation was that cakes go hard and biscuits go soft if you leave them out. So that was the killer decision so, so on this one. They also baked a very large Jaffa cake to bring it into the courtroom, which I think is fantastic. Um, and, and everyone, the, the sort of the point here is the law says certain things can be zero rated and have no VAT, um, but other things are subject to standard rate VAT. So that the biscuit with chocolate on it would have 20% VAT and the cake would have no VAT. So the distinction between the two was, was really significant for the client. So I think it's interesting this, isn't it? So much of what we do is interpretation of the rules and how they apply in different circumstances. So we always look at what is what is the VAT treatment on, on a particular good or service. And within the, the legislation, there's 26 words that defines whether something is zero rated or is standard rated with with regards to cakes, biscuits, confectionery. So within that 26 words, we've got a raft of case law that says whether something's a biscuit or a cake. But it just shows how 
finely tuned all, all of the interpretation is and that how much goes into to deciding whether it's one thing or another. And, and some of the things that you know, mentioning some of those cases, I mean, I've, I've loved the fact that we've had case law where Pringles have been arguing that they don't sell crisps. Um, so sorry to anybody from, from Pringles that's kind of listening here, but um, it, you know, it's something for the layman is, is how, would a, how would a Pringle not be a crisp? But again, it came down to the wording in, in those 26 words that Jen was talking about. And they, they talked about the unnatural shape. So they said a crisp is normally a natural shape, you know, derived from a potato or, you know, some other vegetable. And that they argued that the, it wasn't there wasn't enough potato content in a Pringle for it to be a potato chip, which is a bit worrying, isn't it, for anyone who's a fan of, of the uh, mighty Pringle? And I, I think that, that case was in the end overturned, wasn't it? So in, in one part of the, the tribunal, they, they won, basically saying that it wasn't enough potato to be a potato chip. But then in, this, in the second uh, upper tier, then they lost, didn't they? Because they said it was a potato crisp and it was held out to be. So there we go. So, so in, my, in my fiscal theme part, coming back to that quote at the beginning, we, we've confirmed to you that Jaffa cakes are, are cakes and Pringles are crisps. Uh, the the other my sort of favorite one Gemma really is, is around the gingerbread men I don't know if you want to sort of just tell us about that case okay so years and years ago you used to be able to go in especially around Christmas and you go into wherever it was Greg's the Baker's or Pret and you'd see your gingerbread man and he'd have chocolate legs on him and he'd have a bow tie and he'd have loads of confectionery all over him uh, and he would have been subject to VAT because again going back to that legislation about him being partly or fully covered in chocolate but then it's that interpretation, isn't it, partly covered in chocolate. So HMRCs would mean a lot smaller than, you know, the, the confectioner's argument. Um, so when your gingerbread man has got a chocolate bow tie or some other chocolate covering, then he's subject to VAT. But then if he's only partly covered in chocolate, so if he's got two chocolate eyes, then he's zero rated. So how do we measure that? We, we, look, we use a ruler and measure how much the gingerbread is covered mm -hmm. up. I'm joking yeah, so here. You don't get it nice, anymore where he's got lovely chocolate legs anymore. And it's all because of the Batman. Exactly. Um, I, I'm going to move us along a little bit because it, um, it, it's not all about food in the VAT world. Um, Unfortunately. We, we, we pick food because they're, they're examples that most people can kind of relate to, but uh, I guess sort of moving into some other areas. So... Uh, there's been a very recent VAT rate reduction um, to, to help with uh, tourist attractions. And there's been a big debate in, in the VAT world as to kind of what admissions to attractions mean. Um, the revenue and the, and the law kindly included a number of examples, but um, it's left what, some wanting more. And it kind of serves the purpose of, of, of us demonstrating that a lot of the time, us VAT advisors, we're, fo we're focused very much on the definitions and, and um, looking at what the wording of the law actually means to be able to advise our clients. So um, fairs, theme parks, those sort of things that have, have got the uh, reduced rate. Um, but water sports parks, maybe they do, maybe they don't. There's, there's an open debate about that one at the moment. And it's a bit of a funny one, really, isn't it? Because some of those things that they've said do qualify for the reduced rate are very passive activities. So you can imagine going to the theatre or going watching a concert. They're passive activities, so you sit and watch. Whereas some of them are, you get heavily involved in because I don't know whether, you know, you're the same on a fairground ride, but you're actually terrified, aren't you? You're afraid for your life and your safety. So, you, you know, you're actually actively taking part in that activity rather than just being a witness to it. Absolutely. And on, on a similar theme, we, we had, um, with, with that reduced rates that came in, um, 
there's a question for me about about gin and tonics. So the the the, the reduced rate is for is for takeaway drinks, um, but excluding alcoholic drinks. So when you buy a, a gin and tonic in the pub, um, the gin is excluded. So is at twenty percent. The the tonic perhaps is at five percent as a separate non-alcoholic drink. Um, so do you buy your gin with your tonic? Do you buy the two separately? Is there a blended VAT rate? Um, you know, I managed to write about six, seven hundred words all about that particular thing. Um, that just shows my, my past time with gin and tonics every now and again does come in helpful. And I think it depends what type of tonic that you're going for. If, you, if you're just going for the bog standard one that comes out of the gun, then that's obviously um, not an aim in itself and it's further enjoyment of, of the gin. But if you're buying one of these specially blended tonics, then, you know, they're much more much more part of the overall enjoyment, aren't they, of the whole drink? Ah, you talked about enjoyment. So... Um, that, that makes me think about the case law on singular multiple supply. So, it, again, in the VAT world, perhaps two things are provided to the customer or, or three things. And we have to work out whether there is one supply with, with one rate of VAT that predominates um, or whether actually it's a mixed supply. And each item that's part of the bundle will be taxed and subject to VAT at their own rates. I don't know, Gemma, do you want to think of some examples? Yeah. So if, for example, when you go and get your car serviced, you're buying a bundle of goods and to the punter, all of those add up to the, the service of, of a vehicle. So you might say, well, you know, he tops up my washer fluid and also they check my brake pads. All of those things are a better means of enjoying me having my car serviced. But whereas you might go and have um, do something else, you might get a flight. So you might fly, well, in better times, you might fly from here to Paris and you might get a um, sandwich and a coffee with your um, with your flight. So that would be a means of better enjoying the original supply, which is the flight. And uh, I'm going to keep going to go back to food again because you know we, we've had case law, haven't we, on on um, sort of boots like meal deal type situations. Um, you, you, you get your drink, you get your sandwich, you get your packet of crisps. Um, exactly what what is is the aim of the customer in that? Do they want the bundle? Do they want each item separately? Because the sandwich can be zero rated, but maybe maybe the drink is standard rated. Yeah, and it's how do you split that, isn't it? In reality, that some of those other items, you know, you know, some of the premium drinks that they have on these meal deals might cost more than the sandwich itself. So how do they how do they pull you know determine which costs or what you want as the punter? Yeah. So do we look at sales price? Do we divide it by three because there are three items in the bundle? Do we look at cost price? And, and, and these are all sort of factors where, where maybe there is a maybe isn't even a necessarily a, a correct answer, but we have to do something that um, takes us to a place that is, is reasonable in working out the amount of VAT that we ultimately account for. Um, and that's the difficult part, isn't it? Because obviously, as as the supplier, you're going to have you're going to put your line in the sand in, in one place, but HMRC would obviously like that line in the sand to be closer to their idea which is obviously going to be more of that in most cases isn't it which is perhaps where the, the role of the advisor can come in to, to give um, an opinion that, that's backed up by by case law um other factors supporting that position and then ultimately demonstrates that the business has taken reasonable care in, in handling their vat yeah no, i always think it's it's really really important that you can back up what you've decided so making these decisions and you know it's been a bit tongue-in-cheek what we've sort of gone over and you know about the meal deal and things like that but there is a there's a serious point here isn't there that these decisions probably go on and people make the decisions about how they're going to apply the VAT treatment to a supply but if you don't write it down and you don't get it confirmed and you know keep your records straight then if HMRC do question it or come and ask you to uh, justify that that treatment you're in a weaker position than you were if you'd have um, written it all down and got it documented so i suppose from from our point of view we always want our clients to be 
clear in the VAT treatment that they've taken and understand the process behind that. And if they can demonstrate why they've done certain things and they can say, you know, I've taken this from this case law and I've taken these pages from the guidance and that's led me to this conclusion, HMRC will always be more lenient. And obviously you can then argue that you've taken reasonable care and then argue against any penalty that they may think is appropriate. Yeah. It's demonstrating that you thought about it. Um, yeah. And what we've sort of tried to do is pick examples where um, that there's a very big difference between having that at 20% and, and having no that at the zero rate. And, and clearly, from a, from a business financial perspective, that, that there's a massive amount of money that, that could be on the table there. Um, and it's just making sure that the approach that we're taking is is, is appropriate and, and sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. Reducing our exposure to risk and ultimately saving your money. And I think that is, is probably a good place to, to leave this podcast. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And um, we look forward to hearing from you again soon. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Tune in next time for another episode of Crowcasts. For more information about Crow, our services, industries we advise and insights, visit crow.co.uk. We are an independent member of Crow Global, the eighth largest accounting network in the world. You can connect with us on social media by following Crow UK on LinkedIn or at Crow UK on Twitter.